Welcome to the podcast to be named later, where we explore the world a conversation at a time. Sit back and enjoy. Here are your hosts, Chris and Kelly. Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening to the podcast to be named later. I'm here with my uh, co-host, I guess, when he remembers that we've got an episode slated. Chris, Chris, I'm glad you could wake up and join us. Glad to have you here. <laughs> yeah, glad to be here, buddy. All right. Well, hopefully uh, you're not too sleepy over there in California. Been quite a week and, or more with, with the NFL starting since we talked before we get into it. Um, I did want to take a couple of moments and acknowledge a couple of life events uh, for people that know me both personally and professionally. First of all, to all of his family and friends, and myself included, um, really uh, one of those people that in your personal life is a giant, uh, a good friend of mine since sixth grade, there for all my significant life events, and really just a go-to person. Uh, Donovan Williams passed away uh, since the last time we talked, Chris. I've known Donovan, like I said, since I was in sixth grade. As I told some other people, you know, we were kids together in middle school and high school, became adults here in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, in college, uh, shared a house for a little while, and then after that shared numerous life events. and his passing wasn't entirely unexpected due to health issues but as i've told some other people uh, knowing something's going to happen and experiencing it are two different things so really to his family his friends and anybody that knew donovan uh, just rest in peace donovan you were one heck of a good guy in addition um, someone for those that listen to our podcast from the web accessibility world are also aware that last week Molly Holschlag, uh, really one of the founders of web accessibility and the internet in general, also passed away. And uh, Molly definitely lived life on her terms. I knew Molly before she became Molly, if you will. Um, we worked together running a, a disabilities forum in a service called Genie, which was kind of a competitor to CompuServe, uh, dating myself, as I often say on this podcast, back in the early 1990s. And so really, again, another giant uh, uh, past. So to Molly as well, rest in peace. And to everyone, just life is a treasure and special. So however you like to celebrate it, you know, do so. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I, I, uh, uh, you told me just before we came on about these. I wasn't aware. And, uh, yeah, I'm really sorry, man. I'm sorry for the families. I mean, we all know this is death is part of life. And, um, you know, but it hurts, man. It doesn't make the loss any less, right, especially when you're talking about someone you knew uh, for that kind of time. I mean, that's a, like a family member. I mean, there's just not a lot of people that we get to have in our lives who get to see us grow, understand our evolution um, understand us as individually and we, uh, individuals and, and we understand them and you know those relationships are hard man I mean you can't get something like that back you know you you lose someone who has been a part of your life for an extended period of time um, but you just can't replace that and so yeah I'm sorry man well thanks Chris and uh, thanks again to the listeners uh, for that time as we transition as I said uh NFL week one is now in the books. A lot certainly happened in week one. Uh, 
a lot of places to go, but I'm going to go first up to uh, Soldier Field. As a Packer fan, <laughs> hey, you know, yeah. as a Packer fan, uh, worked out better than maybe we, well, I don't really know what to say or expect, but uh, Packers and Jordan Love looked all right in game one at least. For sure. Uh, well, you know, if uh, people listen to our previous Scott podcast, uh, somehow over the course of making our picks and our predictions, and I'm not even sure how it happened, to be honest, uh, I took off the headphones and, and uh, kind of asked myself, what did you just say? So uh, I was all high on the Bears, and um, even in our pick that we do with the family, uh, I picked the Bears based on, you know, just the fact that I thought they might be good this year. And um, there was a lot of question marks surrounding the Packers and, after uh, one game, um, clearly, you know, I mean, they, they proved it on the field that the Packers are, are the better team at the moment, or at least at least in this game they were. And uh, I'm happy, man. Jordan Love uh, <laughs> looked pretty good. And, and, you know, I mean, a little bit shorthanded. Um, Aaron Jones uh, helped a lot in terms of uh, making that offense go. You know, I mean, he was really the catalyst for, what, you know, a lot of the points that they scored. And, uh, but, you know, all things considered, man, I mean, the Packers, both offensively and defensively, you know, look better than expected. I'll say that. Yeah, I found it overall uh, quite an entertaining game and really uh, <clears throat> a little validation for Jordan Love. Again, you know, the NFL is like uh, 17, 18 weeks of mini drama, uh, as we know, and there can be overreactions, uh, you know, uh, but as a game one out of the gate, it was uh, quite a good performance for the pack. Uh, really like to see the the defense that we saw there was kind of the defense I've always wanted to see. Uh, really not letting Justin Fields get uh, stable in the back in the pocket, and uh, as you said, Aaron Jones. You know, and this is why statistics are sometimes misleading because if you look at his actual numbers, they weren't super high. I mean, they were okay, but there's just plays or players in a game that they just salvage things and make the engine go. And that's what he did in the uh, Packers game. Yeah. And I mean, you're just hoping, you know, over the course of uh, 60 minutes of, in a, uh, of football that, you know, you have some guys on your side that, that make plays, man. Could be an interception, could be a forced fumble, a timely sack on third down or or uh, a long run or just, you know, <clears throat> the whole thing's going to be a struggle, right? There's there's 11 grown men trying to stop you from doing what you want to do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a kind of a back and forth most times. And you're just hoping you have some guys on your side who can uh, do a couple things that help swing the game in your favor. And I think Aaron Rodgers was the – or Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron Jones was the clear guy for uh, uh, the Packers. Well, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, let's go there. Uh, Monday night, uh, obviously the TV ratings numbers say it. It was uh, one of the, I can't remember the exact thing, but like I think it might have been the highest rated Monday night game on since ESPN's taken over Monday night football. So we're in the Meadowlands uh, after the Giants got blown out 40 to nothing the night before. You know, the the whole NFL world's uh, waiting to see former number 12, now number 8 for the Jets. And uh, four plays in, uh, his season's over. I mean, you, 
I don't know. You, 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 you can't. If you wrote a story like that, Hollywood would reject it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't even know what to say on this. I mean, it's just hard to even uh, fathom, like th- like you said, this particular story playing out this way. You know, they're the uh, focus of Hard Knocks this year. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, all the drama in the off season and all the uh, – you know, print that they got and coverage that they got and all this. And, um, you know, the, the Jets fans, man, I tell you what, Kelly, you know, they're, they're spanning through the stands, uh, during the, the, um, telecast and, uh, you can just see their faces, you know, there, there's some other fan base, like the Browns fans kind of look like that sometimes. And, you know, we're just, you can just feel the pain on on uh, the fans' faces. Like, come on, you gotta be kidding me! Like, when is it ever gonna be our year? We can't catch a break, and four plays into the season, which, you know, they had extremely high hopes. You know, inside that building, um, they firmly believed that they were a Super Bowl contender, and and uh, you know, they Aaron Rodgers was all they needed. You know, they have all the other pieces in place, and um, for him to go down you know, just straight off the gate like that is, uh, you can just see it in their faces. They're like, man, I mean, we, we are cursed. I mean, this is outside of our control. I think, so uh, break it down, Chris, a little bit before we talk about, uh, the things, I mean, because all the TV, I mean, uh, the TV commentators, it didn't sound like a really bad hit or anything. What'd you see? No, I mean, and, you know, and I had some friends I was texting with, you know, during the game, obviously excitement was high. It's week one. And uh, a lot of us that are football fans, I mean, we really look forward to this time of year. And so we're all glued to the TV and, and uh, you know, it's the last game of opening weekend. And um, yeah, the, the tackle was nothing. I mean, you know, it, it didn't even look like he got twisted or anything. I mean, just, you know, he, he went down. Um, seemed perfectly harmless, man. There was, there was, there, there was nothing that jumped out from the play. And then they replayed it a couple of times. And, and even during the replays, it was kind of like, all right, man. I mean, dude, if you're really this old, dude, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're talking, I mean, there was, there was nothing to the tackle and nothing that was, you know, sometimes the body gets tweaked and, and you could tell by watching like, man, that didn't look natural. And there was nothing about this play that looked that way. And then he even got up, uh, was kind of limpy. Uh, uh, this was what, kind of blew me away about this whole thing was, um, you know, I got a buddy who tore his Achilles and, and, you know, it's a long recovery process. And, uh, but the way he described the pain when it first tore, uh, you know, he said it was excruciating, man. I mean, one of the worst pains he ever felt. And, um, you know, later information came out that Aaron Rodgers uh, had a full, full tear of the Achilles and, you know, he stood up and kind of like, ah, my, my foot doesn't feel right, you know, and, and then he kind of walked for a couple steps and then he, he sat down like he was sitting down for dinner and just like, ah, you know what, I better sit down and talk with someone about this. And so he sat down and um, there was no pain on his face. There was nothing, man. I mean, it just seems so harmless. And then to find out what the injury, you know, what the MRI showed is like, holy cow, yeah, that guy's tough as nails. I mean, I, I don't know, because... Uh, Based on all the information I had, um, visually, his face, you know, reaction, everything that happened, it, it seemed pretty harmless. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, the game's barely started and, and then this is happening. 
sports, we've talked about this so many times, Chris, and we, I'm sure we will continue to, and I've told you it's the stories. You know, and there's there was all the drama with Aaron leaving the Packers, and um, uh, you know, as a Packer fan, you probably I I know I was wondering, well, dude, where was this? Uh, I'm all in on the team uh, guy the last few years here in Green Bay when you couldn't show up to off season and all of that, and you would throw your receivers under the bus and a bunch of other stuff, you know, and maybe it was the change of pace, new team, new city that he needed to light a spark under him. Uh, You know, I mean, for the story side of it, sure, the Packer fan of me, I'd have loved it if he'd have pitched a few interceptions or thrown a, you know, maybe he should have had the game. I would have liked, I'd have been perfectly fine if he would have had the game uh, Josh Allen had. Throwing yeah, a bunch I, of picks, throwing some balls in the dirt, and all of that. I certainly didn't want to see the story end this way. No, and and you know we've seen this with uh, Brett Favre when he left, kind of unceremoniously, and um, you know there's some hurt feelings anytime you break up. I mean, most of us have had more than one relationship in our life, and when you first break up. Uh, you know, it's it's not a lot of fun for either party, and you, you kind of don't want anything to do with the other person um, for a little bit. But then sometimes, you know, over, as time goes by, you you can uh, um, find your way back, you know, or, or, or at least be friends. And, um, you know, Brett Favre left, and it was, like I said, a, a little rough there for a little while. But then over time, you, you just remember the good things. And, uh, you know, in time, I think it'll be the same for Aaron Rodgers. But I, I'm on you. I, I'm on your team, Kelly. The, uh, you know, Packers were a Super Bowl contender. And, you know, let's, let's be real. You know, Aaron Rodgers was a major contributing factor to why they didn't uh, win more Super Bowls. And in the playoffs, he, he came up short more than once. And, you know, a lot of it was on him, man. I mean, he just didn't look like the all-world quarterback he lo- he was during the regular season when the playoffs came. And, you know, then when the offseason would come, and like you said, the last few years, he's he's unwilling to work with the young receivers. He's unwilling to do the extra work uh, necessary in the off season and stuff. And, and then all of a sudden he goes to New York and he, oh, now he's willing to do it. You know what I mean? Now you're, now you're all in. Now you want, you want to be there for voluntary camps and, and, and things. And it's like, Hey man, that's, you know, where were you when you were a backer? You know, it's hard, it's hard for me to not have a little bit of resentment and uh, you know, but again, I, 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 I'm with you, man. I, I didn't, nobody wants him to get hurt or anything like that. I certainly didn't want him to go to New York and win a Super Bowl. Uh, I'm not pulling for that in any way, but I, I, you know, I didn't want him to, I wanted the season to play out a little different. Yeah, definitely. Because as I told you off the air, someone else reminded me of this and it's, but I've been there, man. I know what it's like to be a fan, a long suffering fan of a team. I mean, buying the Packers, as we know, went from uh, one hall of fame quarterback to obviously a second Hall of Fame quarterback, and who knows what it will be with Jordan Love. So we've at least been competitive since 1992. Um, And, you know, so, but uh, I'm old enough to remember the 70s and 80s and some, a lot of uh, lonely Sunday afternoons with the team playing pretty poorly and not doing much. And Sports is always interesting in this regard because 
you know, I guess it's what you're exposed to, but you, uh, you have this, if you're a sports fan, you have a, an emotional attachment that in no way, if you analyzed it, makes a lot of sense, uh, to these players and this uniform and these names, but you know what? It's also that's it's also the thing that binds you together as sports fans, and you can come together and like we've talked about, you know. So I I feel for the Jets fans, and I'm not I'm, not, I'm I really honestly do. Um, I again the story you want at some point the we're the cursed team story to have some positive. Yeah, I mean, you know, and there, there's examples of it. The Red Sox, it took a long time. Um, you know, the there, there's some franchises. I mean, you look at the Bengals. Uh, I mean, they were kind of a laughing stock of the league for for decades, and uh, you know, now it looks like you know they, they've they've turned it around. Now they haven't actually got the Super Bowl victory yet, but um, you know they're they're a powerhouse in in the NFL and. I mean, you wouldn't have guessed it by week one's performance, but I think we all agree the Bengals are, are uh, a high-quality team. And, um, you know, so it can happen. And, and, you know, it just clearly isn't the Jets' time yet because, uh, I, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I was joking. You know, I was texting with some friends on Monday night, like I said, and, uh, you know, I said, I, I mean, I guess you got to wear pantyhose to, to be a, a Jets quarterback. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what it is. I mean, they're just cursed. And I said, you know, I guess, I guess this is exactly what it feels like to be a, a Chargers head coach. You know, it's just like I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I just know it ain't going to work out. <laughs> so uh, that's got to that's got to be how it feels like for a, a quarterback uh, playing in that green uniform, man. Like you know, sometimes it don't make any sense, but it just never works. Well, ultimately, and, and that, you know, for a game that started out with such emotional letdown, it ended up being quite an interesting game. Uh, like I said earlier, Josh Allen couldn't get out of his own way for failure with the everything he did wrong. A uh, couple of interesting plays in the game itself, uh, you know, that ultimately led to a Jets win. Uh, Garrett Wilson, by all accounts, uh, made one of the best catches in NFL, I don't know if I'll say history, but that's what some of the announcers and commentators I heard, you know, they often maybe a little overreaction, but what'd you see for there, Chris? Can you break that play down? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that I would put it in, like, my NFL history top plays, but it was an incredible catch. I, I'll say this for, uh, um, you know, let me see if I could kind of describe it for you visually, Kelly. It's basically... Um, it was a back shoulder. Uh, I, I guess you call it a fade. It wasn't very deep, but uh, back shoulder fade to uh, you know basically out in the flat over by the corner where the pylon is, and the Garrett Wilson and the defensive back I forget who was guarding him on the play um, were uh, I think it was maybe Reed. Um, they're basically facing each other. You know, mind you, they're in motion. They're running and stuff, but as the ball was approaching, um, picture like you're going to dance with somebody, you know, you're facing each other, you kind of got your hands on each other. And uh, what uh, if I'm, I mean, honestly, the defensive back was probably in a better position. Uh, Garrett Wilson was kind of behind him, uh, just just by a hair, you know, the way they were turned. And so uh, he wasn't directly behind him. Like I said, they were facing each other and the ball was coming in, you know, from the side, basically. And 
uh, Garrett Wilson just stuck his arm out. He had no way to like catch it, uh, not on the fly, right? And uh, what he did was just kind of you know reach out with his right arm to absorb the impact of the pass, right? So the the, the ball is coming in pretty fast, and he he can't get two hands on it. Um, and uh, they're kind of wrestling with their left arms, or yeah, I guess it would be uh, Garrett, Garrett Wilson's left arm. And uh, I'm just going to say it was Reed. I'm not positive on who the defensive back was. But, uh, you know, his right arm and Garrett Wilson's left are kind of like not, you know, negating each other. And then Garrett Wilson reached out with his right arm and just kind of absorbed the speed of the pass and, and uh, knocked the ball up in the air and then just had the focus and concentration to stay with it. You know, you kind of – uh, uh, some of us, if you ever played the keep the balloon off the ground trick, right? <laughs> and you're, you know, you're not going to balloon around the living room and, and you don't want to let it hit the floor. And that's kind of what uh, uh, Garrett Wilson did with the football. You know, just keep it up in the air. You know, I can't catch it yet, but if I tip it back up, I'll get another crack at it and can't catch it yet. And he kind of tipped it up a, a couple, three times to himself and then eventually was able to secure it. It was a, a pretty incredible display of concentration. And, um, you know, I got, Garrett Wilson is special, man. I mean, he is. Uh, one of the better young receivers to come into the league in a long time. I mean, he's just, you know, you look at him, like you look at a guy like DK Metcalf and you're like, wow, right? Uh, physically, he just looks like, oh my goodness, how could anyone, you know, go toe-to-toe with this guy? You look at Garrett Wilson and it's like, eh, you know, I mean, he's, you know, he's fast, you know what I mean? But he's kind of thin and lanky and it's like, but his technique and skill set, his release, uh, he's a second-year wide receiver and, um you know, his release is, is, you know, maybe not quite Devontae Adams level, but, you know, it took, took Adams years to develop that skill, you know, that release off the ball, the, the ability to get separation right from go with just a couple of uh, steps here and there. And all of a sudden, you know, he's got three yards of separation, be, you know, before they, the play even really gets started. And that's something that somehow Garrett Wilson in only his second year already has like Pro Bowl level uh, release. And, you know, the guy, you know, theoretically, anyway, the guy's only going to get better if he continues to work at his craft. So he's an impressive wide receiver. Um, And like I said, not the most physically imposing when you look at him. But, you know, his technique, his skill, and his just want to on the field is enough to push him over the top. So yeah, uh, an incredible catch. And and then you got to think about the situation too. They're losing, you know, they had lost their quarterback, they couldn't do a ton. Um, Brees Hall was really the only bright spot on the offense. You know, Brees Hall looked amazing um, coming off of, uh, uh, you know, coming off the knee injury and not, not knowing where he would be. Um, first time he touches the ball, he, he, he takes it for 26 yards. Then he's, yeah. then he's out of the game for a while. Next time he touches the ball, he goes for 83. And it's like, oh, my, you know, the guy has two carries for 109 yards. And and looks absolutely unstoppable. And both of those plays, as they were developing early, didn't look like much. You know, it was like okay, you know what I mean. He looks kind of bottled up in there, and he somehow just finds little little gaps to to get through. And uh, you know, was, you could tell he was out of football shape and and isn't all the way back. You know, most of, most any other time, if this was a month from now or last year, you know, he scores on that play, and he just kind of got gassed at the end and. Clearly, you know, he's, he's not 100% in terms of condition yet. But uh, very impressive for Brees Hall. But the rest of the offense had nothing, man. And, and there was just this whole, like, dark cloud over the stadium. As soon as Rodgers went down and was carted off and all that, 
even the commentators, everybody. I, I flipped over to listen to the Mannings for a little bit, and it was just all doom and gloom everywhere. And even as the game was being played in the second half, it was still you still had this like, oh my gosh, we have no hope. You know, we're we're ruined. And as uh, Josh Allen's throwing all these picks and and making turnovers and doing all everything he can to lose the game for the Bills. The Jets still couldn't do anything. Like, at no point did you really feel like the Jets are going to win this game. And then uh, Garrett Wilson makes that catch, and it was 13-6 uh, to 6 at the time. And then that catch with the extra point tied it at 13, and all of a sudden it was like, hey, we got hope. You know, maybe we might be able to win this thing. Okay, the, uh, yeah, uh, <clears throat> you know, again, there's times, you know, not all catches are the same. And there's times, and I, you know, think about that as a professional athlete when you make a play, you know, and everything that's, you can't tell me it hasn't been in your mind, everything that's gone on. And, uh, you know, yeah, unlike the, you know, when you're a kid trying to keep the balloon off the ground, uh, you know, you got whatever, 70,000 screaming fans and a bunch of big dudes trying to do everything they can to stop you from achieving your goal. Uh, I think professional athletes at any sport, uh, uh, when you bring in contact sports like football, uh, it's actually pretty amazing the level of talent they have and ability to focus and perform at this high level of athleticism. Yeah, and and I mean, momentum's a a real thing, and, you know, that's what made the Garrett Wilson catch even more impressive. You know, like I said, it was all doom and gloom, doom and gloom since four plays into the game, and then that catch, everything turned. Everything, all the fans, all the people watching on TV, everyone else all of a sudden believed, oh, wow, you know, because we've seen this before, you know what I mean? You've seen a team who, you know, is clearly the underdog and probably shouldn't win, but they're just scrappy enough and they hang around, and they get the victory, and then all of a sudden, you know, knowing that, collectively you could just feel the entire, you know, millions of people uh, say, wow, you know what I mean? This The Jets might win this game. And at no point previous to that did I, do I think anyone felt that way. And so that, that, that's what made the catch even bigger. A little bit of a funny side story here in Wisconsin. I don't know if you saw the headlines. Uh, obviously, again, we talked about Aaron Rodgers leaving, and there was more than one bar, as I've read the stories, uh, that were offering promotions that <clears throat> if the Jets lost the game that Aaron Rodgers started, uh, you know, drinks were on the house. And when he went down, the stories say that hey, people just started, you know, pounding him. <laughs> Only to get quite a surprise at the end because they had to pay their tabs. <laughs> I didn't hear that. That's awesome. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I don't know what the money line would have went to, and and uh, I, you know, I didn't track all of that. But um, yeah, I mean, very few people believe the Jets could win that game. I mean, mo- the Bills were favored coming into the game, and you know, then when Aaron went down, it was like, okay, the Jets really have no chance from here. But that's that's why they play the game, baby couple other bits of excitement in that game before we leave it uh had a had a my always favorite off the goal post uh field goal yeah i uh i actually had uh, a little side note i had a, a fantasy football game that was taking place and i had josh allen and tyler bass on that team and i, I was i shouldn't have even had to sweat it but 
you know, Josh Allen kept getting me a minus two, like, you know, every other possession. And so, uh, you know, I'm having to sweat this game out and he has, uh, Mosley going, we play with uh, defensive players in, in that league and, and he's got uh, CJ Mosley. And so, you know, he's picking up tackles here and there and getting a point here and there. And, um, as that ball was being kicked, I, I was tied in, in the game and, uh, you know, and, and I want to win my fantasy football game, man. And so 50-yard kick, and it goes up, and you can see it fading off to the left. And it's like, oh, no. And then, uh, you know, you hear the doink, and you can see the football fly. But you, you can never – anytime that happens, you can never really tell which way the, the football bounced. I mean, you could see it kick to the right, but you can't see if it kicked through the upright or out. You know, it's not till the officials, you know, either wipe their hands or, or put them up that you know. And so – you know, I'm, I'm to win my fantasy football game. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it goes through and then whatever happens, at least I got a five point cushion going into overtime, you know? And, uh, so it goes, you know, it hits the, hits the upright, makes that loud, like doink sound. And I don't know what the percentage is, but it's gotta be at least eight to one that it does not go through maybe nine to one, you know, when it hits that upright, it doesn't make it. And, uh, but this was the one that went through and, you know, got my five points and we're going to overtime. <laughs> That is, you know, the, the cool thing about that is such a cool sound. No, I wish I had some audio of it right now to drop in the podcast. Where's our producer? Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that sound. And the the interesting thing to me is, uh, for me anyway, it really gives me a sense of, because uh, you can hear the ball get kicked always, but you really can never tell for sure, uh, you know, when it goes past the goalpost. Uh, you hear the cheer, but... When you have, when you have it doinking off the goalpost, you really get a sense. I mean, how so there's a little bit of flight time for the ball when it's a long field goal. Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's absolutely it's in there for a minute, man. I mean, so it's always interesting, and whatever TV does, they obviously must you know put a microphone right on there on the goalpost, uh, just in the chance that's going to happen because they always seem to capture that sound amazingly well. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of uh, excitement in that game. A lot of stories leading up, a lot of stories during the game, you know. Um, you know, and then even to follow. I mean, obviously, the Aaron Rodgers is, is probably the, the biggest. I mean, he's, you know, an all-time great quarterback. Still seemed to be, I wouldn't call him in the prime of his career, but, but still certainly perfectly capable. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's obviously going to be the lead story is, is Aaron Rodgers going down. But, um, you know, on the other side of the ball, Josh Allen, you know, at some point, man, uh, you know, what, what, what do you, how, what kind of story do you want history to tell about you, dude? And, you know, obviously he's amazing and he makes amazing plays and, and, uh, um, you know, that's why he's thought of as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Cause you can see the, the capability that he has, um, and then his ability to run as well as pass. I mean, he's got maybe the strongest arm in the NFL. He's, he's right there with Patrick Mahomes. And, uh, but you can't keep doing this, Josh. You know what I mean? You cannot keep doing these, these rookie bonehead, like first year player mistakes. I mean, if you want to be elite, then play elite. And what makes people elite is consistency. My dad said it many, many times like, Hey man, there's not, there's no difference uh between me and tiger woods you know we can both make the same shots the difference is he can do it over and over and and i can't and you know josh allen just dude you got you you can't you can't do the things you did man 
Yeah, I'm not ready to write him off or anything, and I don't think anybody is, but I will say, right, so he had been really remarkable, I believe it was between year one and year two, for really uh, cleaning up his game. I, I forget the numbers, but he had really lowered the interceptions and some other stuff. Um, boy, this was, uh, hey, I, you know, the NFL, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be one of the let's overreact for one game entirely, but this was not a good performance for him uh, and it was kind of a regression back to other behavior. Speaking of stories before we leave this game, uh, you know, it ended with a great story too. Uh, player barely makes the team and uh, what a story to end it. Well, in, in this, you know, you and I talk about this all the time. This, this is what I really love sports about, too. I mean, the, at the end of the day, these are human beings. We've said it repeatedly, you know, and, and you can feel, uh, you know, what they have to go through to get to this point, man. So I don't know. Uh, I've been watching Hard Knocks, and um, uh, Xavier Gibson was a guy who I think, you know, you'd, you'd have to get uh, Robert Sala to, to give you the real skinny, but I think he might have been the last guy to make the team. At, at the wide receiver position, at least, um, you know, him and Brownlee came in, they were, they were great buddies and, you know, fighting through camp. And they both knew that they were kind of, while well, they were good friends and, you know, they showed them playing ping pong together and working out together. And, you know, they knew that very likely only one of them would make it. I mean, they're not going to cut Lazard, Cobb's Aaron Rodgers' buddy, Cobb's got a spot. Obviously Garrett Wilson's a superstar in the making, you know, at, at some point there's only so many spots to go around and, uh, it didn't look like they were both going to make it. And, you know, Xavier uh, uh, Gibson was a dude who basically just, you know, got there. I mean, obviously, he's talented, man. I mean, nobody even gets a tryout if you're not talented. But relative to the rest of the guys, um, didn't come with the same pedigree. And uh, he had to grind, man, and work and earn it. And everything, you know, his spot on the team was given to him based on effort. And, and just, you know, hey, man, this guy's got heart. He wants it so bad. And, you know, I think the Jets have the right mentality that, hey, give us a group of guys who just want it, are hungry, are willing to work. And even if we're not quite as talented, that, that drive and effort, what's inside of them, will, will, will overcome. You know, give me a guy who, who's trying but is only a B talent over a guy who doesn't give a crap and is an A talent all day, right? And that was kind of who he was, and that's how he earned his spot on the team. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's probably not going to get a whole lot of receptions um, based on, you know, where he's at in the depth chart. But where he can contribute is on special teams. And for him to, like I said, you know, be one of the last guys put on the roster, for him to earn his spot based on his ability to, you know, make a play on kick, you know, kick returns. And then for him to win it, just what an awesome feel-good story for, for him, man. I mean, I, I I love sports for that. You know, there's a dude who has a dream. He goes after it, gives it all he's got, gets a shot, and then he makes good when his opportunity presents itself. Yeah, it is uh, one of the biggest reasons what I find compelling about sports. I mean, I have no idea to imagine how hard it is to make an NFL team. I mean, let's be honest. They bring in 90 guys, uh, in training camp, you know, probably f uh, 45 positions on the team are already locked up. You know, they 
the team knows who probably 45 of the 53 players they're going to keep are on day one. So that means you got 45 dudes really fighting for eight roster spots, maybe. Um, maybe, you know, toss in another 16 who make the practice squad for a year, but most guys don't stick around on that for more than a year. So just mathematically, your odds are slim to none. And this year it was even different because they didn't do the, you know, typical, hey, we're going to cut it down in bits and pieces along the way. It was all at the end. So, and I, I think I mentioned this in our last episode, but I think about it, you know, because you see it every, every Saturday they're playing in college and Sunday, you know, those that get to go on to the next level, there's already a big drop off and Friday night, you know, there's hundreds of thousands playing it on the high school football field. And so what is that like to go through that, to battle? That's been your dream forever. And then to make the team and do what he did, especially on the emotional night with, you know, as you said, the black cloud in the beginning, like that's just the kind of story, you know, when you write the uh, 2023 uh, NFL story, uh, that's going to be part of the chapter one. And that that's in the history book from now till forever for that guy. Yeah, and, and I mean, that, that's not an exaggeration either. I mean, you think about uh, Steve Gleason, you know, and, and what his punt block in New Orleans. Now, obviously, different stories and, and you know, after Katrina and, and all, you know, all the things that, that had gone on and all the emotions in, in, in New Orleans and all that. But, I mean, that's a story that just keeps on getting told every year. And, and he's, he's a, um, I mean, he was a pretty pretty good linebacker, but, you know, uh, you know, you know, obviously, I mean, we know the story of, of all the struggles he's had with ALS and, and, and um, you know, but basically it was a punt block that made him a hero. And, uh, you know, he, he was a decent enough player prior to that, but, you know, that that was the, the play that um, yeah, Saints fans Yeah, I mean, he was a decent forever. player, but let's, again, and I've actually met, I actually, through some work that I was doing in my day job at Microsoft, I actually had the opportunity to meet Steve Gleason once um, through some of the work that uh, he was doing on ALS. But, and so when I say this, I mean no disrespect to that man, but uh, he, he was just another player. I mean, I'm not saying he was a bad player, but it, it's that punt block, right time, right place, and obviously making the play that, again, in that season, in that part of the NFL, that's what put his name on the page. And that's what sports is about, for good or bad. I mean, I, we we have those good memories. We have those bad memories. I mean, you can say fourth and twenty sixth in Philadelphia to any Packer fan, and you know they know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, and, and that's that's what's cool, man. Some plays, you know, Odell Beckham's catch, you know, Deshaun Jackson's punt return. I mean, you, you can go through the list of um, various players in various moments that stepped up and. Um, you know, I think uh, Xavier Gibson's punt return is going to be remembered, you know, for, I mean, maybe forever, man. I mean, people are going to remember watching that and knowing that and and, and seeing that. And uh, good for him, dude. I mean, I don't know what his career holds for him. I mean, he has a spot for now. And, and obviously, uh, um, you know, he's on a team, so he has an opportunity to make more plays and, and make a career out of things. But uh, they'll never be able to take that punt return away from him. You know, that'll that'll be for with him forever. Yeah, and, and, you know, it was, as I said, 
for a game that started out what we expected is not at all what we got right i think if you ask most people what they expect they expected an offensive shootout between the younger gun josh allen and the old pro aaron Rodgers. uh what we got was very different but ultimately the fact that we've just spent 25 to 30 minutes talking about it still quite entertaining yeah great football game man and it just shows you you just never know man and um you know like i said there's 53 men on the roster and you don't know which one uh is going to be the one to make a difference in a game let's jump around a little bit chris week one a few other things uh uh, quite a game to kick it off. Uh, just a little bit over a week ago, or a little, yeah, a little over a week ago, uh, Thursday night, Detroit and Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Detroit's a, a good football team. They they came in yeah, hungry. Somebody and, in this podcast said that. Yeah, no, you're 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 not the only one, man, who who, who believes in the Lions this year. And um, you know, I I certainly thought that even with. Chris Jones not playing and Travis Kelsey, which, you know, you probably can make the argument they're number two and number three on their team in terms of impact, you know, uh, you know, see Mahomes has got to be number one, but uh, huge uh, playmaking um, members of the Kansas City Chiefs that weren't playing. And I still believed that the Chiefs still would find a way. And who knows, man, if the wide receivers were given uh, hands to show up for the game, um, you know, maybe the the Chiefs still would have found a way to win. I, but uh, credit to the Lions, and, and um, you know, they're a good football team, man. They're well-coached. They're disciplined. Um, you know, I don't know if they're great, but they're they're really, really good. Yeah, I'm not going to put them in the great category, but I'm going to put them in the – again, who knows for sure, but I am going to put them in the category of uh, I think they believe and they are working – uh, by all the indications as a team and I think that uh, coach has them believing yeah it's, they're, they're a real testament to the value of coaching and you know a team who doesn't beat itself is disciplined does the right things you don't have to be flashy to be uh, in, a, in a football game and to be successful in sports in general if you if you check all the boxes and, and do all the right things and don't beat yourself. Generally, you have a chance to win in the end, and that's what uh, the Lions earned for themselves was, was an opportunity, and, and in the end, they were able to pull it out. want to ask you something about, because you hinted at it when you said if the wide receivers would have had some hands for the game. Going back to your playing days, Chris, uh, you know, I don't know if this happened in any of your games, but how does a team, you know, how do you react as either the quarterback or the wide receiver, uh, like on something like that? When let's, and it can be both ways. It can happen a lot of different ways in a game. But like, you know, ball hits the dude in the hands and he just drops it, or the other one, the guy's wide, wide open. I mean, you always hear, hey, there's nobody within ten yards of him or whatever, and the QB just misses it. Do they? What's that like? Do you just? brush it off and hey we'll get him next time does it sit in your mind do you know any any, any real world experience with that yeah no i mean it it uh i wouldn't say it stays in your mind very long but yeah no it's it's obviously bothersome you you're well aware that opportunities like that uh don't come along sometimes you have to really fight 
to, to even get your hands on a ball, or sometimes you have to really fight to get uh, two or three yards of separation. So when you got 10, uh, you know, you, you want to capitalize on those, and, and you know over the course of a game you're only going to have so many, you know, good opportunities. And if you miss them, it's like, okay, you know what I mean? I, I was only going to get seven for the whole game, and that was one that we missed. And, uh, you know, Christian Watson's career kind of started that way. And, and it could, you know, could have started with a touchdown on, on his first catch, and instead he dropped it. And uh, it's just deflating. And then w- what really happens, though, I mean, you know how it is in life, man, when you take a, a punch to the gut and then another punch to the gut and, and – um, you know, it's it, it has this cumulative, like, exponential effect of negativity on you. And um, in a football game, you know, or, uh, you know, in a wide receiver quarterback combo, um, you know, it's pretty devastating if a quarterback loses confidence in a wide receiver. You know, you drop one, all right, man. You know, next game you drop another one, or, or maybe, you know, eight, ten minutes later you drop one that was a little more challenging and we kind of gave you a pass, like, oh, I was a little behind you, you know, that one was a little bit on me or whatever. But, you know, you start dropping, you know, two, three very catchable balls, four catchable balls, at some point it's like, dude, I can't throw you the ball anymore, man. And now, you know, that's good. That will linger, you know, and um, I know, you know, if uh, guys just have bad games sometimes, you know, didn't didn't have a good dinner or, or whatever, man. They just they're just not having a good game, and uh, you know, for Patrick Mahomes, man, I mean, you could see it in his face. There, there was one specifically in the fourth quarter when it was first down, and um, it was probably about a twenty-five, thirty-yard pass to Tony, and in, for NFL standards, he was wide open. Mahomes hit him right in the hands. Uh, in stride, I mean, you know, a couple moves and he may be able to even score potentially, but at a minimum, he's gaining 25, 30, 35 yards on the play and it was, you know, it was going to be a, a get him to midfield right from go. And, you know, he just dropped the ball, man. And, and uh, you know, at that point, I think that was his fourth drop in the game. And so you could, you know, they flashed him Holmes' face and you could just see, he's like, you got to be kidding me, dude. You are paid a lot of money. And your sole purpose <laughs> professionally is to catch a football. And if you can't do that, like, what good are you? That's what I took from it. Yeah, it's got to be tough in that. And especially, I'd love to be on the sidelines of a game once just to feel the intensity. It's, uh, you know, with everything. Just, First of all, the plays are so fast. The speed of the game is so fast. You hear, and there's so much going on. I bet it's just a, a quite a intense space. Yeah, for sure. And you know, when you're a team like the the Chiefs, you understand. Um, you know, they, they've been there. I mean, how, what they hosted four AFC Championship games in a row? Five? I don't even know. I think I, it's a ridiculous number. And they know the value of wins, and and they're playing for something bigger. You know, uh, it's not just a game. You know, they're trying to win Super Bowls. And every game matters, which means, you know, every every play matters. Every catch matters. I mean, it should matter to everybody. These are all professionals. Everybody should be, you know. But for the Chiefs, they know they, they don't have much margin for error for them to get to their goal. And I think that is that is uh, definitely true. And it's like anything. If you've done it once or done it twice, you know, done it, done it three times, you know um, – I think you know more than other people uh, what it takes to climb back to the mountain, and you know uh, what missed opportunities do 
And I think you really get a really good sense of, hey, you know, game one, game 15, it doesn't matter. Like, we, we, we can't get these opportunities back. Yeah. And it's really, you know, I'm sure already after uh, this week, because there'll be some teams that start out 0-2, and you'll st- I probably think I saw a couple headlines already, but I know every week for the next few weeks you'll see it. Uh, the statistics, you know, of what, you know, teams that are 0-2, what percentage of them make the playoffs, or teams that are, you know, 0-3, you'll see it. And every once in a while something, you know, is an outlier and breaks through that statistical reality, but it just takes longer and, and longer. Uh, speaking of had, having bad games, I don't know. Did you see the Cincinnati game? Yeah, that yeah. I ended up watching that game Sunday morning. And uh, what what'd you see there? I mean, wow, man. I mean, again, I know everybody can have them, but uh, if you could have a time to pick and have your worst game after you sign the biggest contract in football, probably wasn't the greatest time to have it happen. I'm sure it didn't thrill them. No, and I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, I kind of alluded to it earlier that sometimes you just have a bad game and, and so, you know, that could be on the individual or that could be on the team. You know, football is a funny shaped ball and it bounces funny. And, and every once in a while, you know, every time there's a fumble, it goes to the same team repeatedly. You know, it's like flipping a coin and, you know, you have these series of, you know, 120 to 140 plays and, uh, you know, within those, there's probably 10 or 15 that are, are big, you know, kind of game-changing type of plays. And if you go, you know, 12 and 4 in those, then you're probably doing pretty good. You know, if you go, uh, you know, 4 and 12, then you're probably going to lose. And, and uh, every once in a while in a game, you know, you kind of saw over the course of a season with the Vikings last year where, you know, they were in all these close games and that could go either way, and they just kind of won them all. And so they ended up with a really good record. And, uh you know, within a game, I think uh, sometimes um, as an individual, but also as a team, things could just, you know, not go your way repeatedly. It was a, it was a very sloppy field. It was uh, raining and, um, you know, it's just uh, credit to, I don't take anything away from the Browns, man. I mean, they, you know, defensively, they looked pretty stout uh, adding um, uh, the guys they added and, and uh, having, um you know, Miles Garrett looks un- like unstoppable, man. I don't, I don't feel, you know, he's been in the running for NFL MVP or defensive MVP, and uh, I don't know if he'll get it this year or not. But man, that guy is just brutal, and he plays a position that can affect the plays regularly too. So, um, you know, I think universally for the last few years, Aaron Donald's been considered the best defensive player in football, and but from uh, a, a down tackle position, it's it's hard to uh, affect every play. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you know, he, he's putting his, his, his teammates in positions to, to succeed, but he isn't always necessarily, uh, in a position to, to have an impact where at the defensive end position, um, you, you have more opportunities to have effects on football games and, and miles Garrett looked awesome, man. Uh, the whole Browns defense did. So, you know, we, we've had this conversation before, man. It did, did one team make the other team look bad, or, or was one team just bad? And uh, yeah, let, let's just hold judgment. So it was a terrible game. The, the Bengals looked terrible. I think Burrow threw for like 
75, 80 yards or something ridiculous like that. Um, they just couldn't complete a ball. They couldn't do anything. And, uh, you know, so end result was they lost pretty badly. But let's let some, some time go by. Let, let's let them play in the sunshine. Let's let Burrow, you know, remember he had the uh, calf strain and, and, you know, probably didn't get a ton of time um, with the guys in, in camp. And so, you know, let's, let's just let things play out a little bit before we jump the gun too far. You know, it was, it was a bad game for sure. And if they have three or four of them in a row, then okay. That, that let's, they might have problems. But, you know, if it's just one bad game, then, um, you know, I think they can overcome that. In the time we've got left, uh, what else were uh, some highlights or lowlights that jumped out for you uh, in the NFL? I'll just give one of mine first. I uh, thought the Rams were significantly better than I thought they would be. Yeah, I didn't watch any of that game, so I, I don't know exactly how it played out. But the final score, uh, and then just you know, as the game was going on and I was following the score, uh, I, I gotta say I was surprised by that one too. Um, again, not having not watched that game, I don't, I don't know exactly how it played out. You know, sometimes scores can be deceptive, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't expect much from the Rams this year, and you know, I, I felt like maybe Stafford was already you know one or two feet out of the door, and was just you know with cup hurt and everything else. It's kind of like you know, I, I just didn't expect a lot from them. And uh, the Seahawks, you know, we kind of expected a little more from. It's like felt like, hey, man, they, they got something to build off of. And um, they could be a dark horse kind of team for this year. And uh, after we one week, you know, maybe I don't know who we were wrong about or, you know, again, you know, if you go to another game like the 49ers and the Steelers, I think uh, a lot of the talk around the Steelers was very positive, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. There was high hopes for uh, what they would look like this year. Um, and then the 49ers just went in and mopped them up. Uh, McCaffrey looked unstoppable. Um, the whole 49ers uh, offense, you know, was just clicking. Purdy looked great. Ayuk had a, uh, had a huge game. Um, you know, looked like they could do no wrong. And then defensively, the, the Steelers couldn't get a first down. So, you know, were the, are the Niners that good? Um, or are the Steelers that bad? Or, you know, it's just, you know, this is where you need more data points to really get a, a good picture. But that was one that I thought would be a competitive game. I thought it would be close. Uh, I thought the the Steelers would, would um, put up a fight offensively. I know the Niners are really, really good defensively, but uh, I thought they'd, you know, be able to do a little more than, than what they did. And, uh, you know, time will tell for both of those teams as well. San Diego Chargers. What? What? I mean, they are just snake bit, man. Yeah, that's what I alluded to. Uh, they uh, they're in Los Angeles now, but uh, they. Uh, My bad. <laughs> they, I do it all the time too, man. Um, I've gotten pretty good about calling Washington the Commanders nowadays, but it it just takes a while, man. You, you hear something for years and years and years, and it, you know your tongue just has some muscle memory. Uh, yeah, the, 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 you know, I alluded to it when I was talking about the Jets and the quarterback situation. You know, that's what I text my buddy. I said, this has got to be what it feels like uh, to be a Chargers head coach. You know, when you're, when you're applying for the job, you know, I, if I'm a quarterback, man, and the Jets are like, hey, we'd like you to come play for us. I'm just feeling like, yeah, but sure, you got all these weapons and sure, you got all these good things going on. But, man, it don't work out well for quarterbacks, you know, playing for the Jets. I just feel like that, you, you know, you guys are going to put the kibosh on my career. 
And uh, if I'm uh, interviewing for a head coaching job and the Chargers are calling, I'm kind of like, yeah, you got Herbert, you got a defense, you got you got all these good things going on. It just never works out for a coach for the Chargers. And for whatever reason, man, they just find ways to lose games that they should win. And, I mean, you know, Dolphins look great, though. Uh, I think the Dolphins are exactly like what you expect the Dolphins to be. I mean, they got run on for, like, I don't know, it was approaching 200 yards or something. So, uh, you know, Chargers had their way with them running the ball. But, um, you know, the question with the Dolphins, you know, we saw this last year. I mean, when uh, Tua was healthy and he has Waddle and and Hill on the field, um, there's huge running lanes um, for for the tailbacks. And... You know, they got two of the better wide receivers in football. Tyreek Hill is maybe the most unique wide receiver in all of football in what he can do. There's just nobody else. I mean, he just runs faster than everyone, man. There's nothing you can do to stop speed, you know, scheme, do whatever you want. But you can't send three guys to cover one. And with as fast as he is, it's it's impossible for one guy to cover him. And it's, it's really hard for even two guys sometimes. So, um you know, when they're healthy, I mean, this is just what you expect. You know, they, they looked amazing last year offensively when uh, when Tua was healthy. The big question around the Dolphins, are, you know, are, are Tyreek Hill's hamstrings going to hold up all year? Is um, Tua's brain going to hold up all year? You know what I mean? There's just, you know, it's more has to do with health questions and, and durability issues. And, and can they hold this, you know, keep this going for 16, 17, 18, you know, and beyond weeks, that's the question. So the fact that they scored a lot of points isn't surprising uh, when they're healthy, that's what they can do. But, it is interesting how some teams, uh, I guess, over even throughout all the years, I'd say, I guess, kind of take on the identity of their city a little bit and have a reputation. I mean, that's kind of the the Dolphins. Whenever they've been successful, that's kind of been their mo. A lot of the time, right? Give me some super fast wide receivers. Give me a quarterback that can uh, really uh, throw the ball around the yard, and we're just gonna have a track meet. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, the Steelers have kind of been the Steelers. Uh, they've been built on running games and defenses. You know, the um, you you can go franchise by franchise, and there's some movement, you know, within them, but. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're not wrong, man. The, the, there are certain identities, uh, identities, um, you know, and especially if you have, uh, some of the situations are, are a head coach stays in place for a long time. And so his philosophies stay with the franchise, but other times, even as head coaches change, uh, you know, the dolphins are a good example of that. Um, and even the chargers, you know what I mean? They're, they're, that's, you know, kind of who they've been. And so, uh, um, you know, if if the Chargers had almost any other uniform, you would think that they were you know a Super Bowl contending team based on talent and and the ability. It, but at the end of the day, you have to know how to win, and that's where the Chargers have just never seemed to figure it out, man. And uh, if any team in all of sports finds the m- more miraculous ways to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. I, I don't know who it is. The Chargers are, are number one in, in just they're, finding they're ways to lose games. Yeah, dude. I mean, over the years, I mean, think of some of the just obscure, bizarre ways they've lost games. It's crazy. I've always, uh, you know, so growing up, obviously, I was always a Packer fan. And for a while, I was also, I remember my brother Joel, your uncle, um, uh, we were. Bo- I was a Houston Oilers fan, and he was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan as well. But 
I also remember as a kid always having a little bit of soft spot for the Chargers. Um, just maybe it was just hey, they were out in California. That's when they had Dan Fouts and everything else, and it was so different than the Green Bay Packers. You know, the was Packers that your, were your, uh, Air Coryell days. Yeah, man, and the Packers were, you know, running three yards in a cloud of dust and not very good. And the Chargers were always on late in the afternoon, and it was sunny California and all that, you know. So I've always had a soft spot for the San Diego Chargers. Well, I'll tell you what, you, you, uh, you just L.A. Chargers did it again. <laughs> Uh, ring something in my ear about the three yards in the cloud of dust. Uh, I'm going to be really interesting. I think my, my, my team, my team of interest this year, uh, so far is, is the Atlanta Falcons, man. And I just want to see, you know, how they hold up, you know, uh, I, I love it, man. I mean, this is as throwback as it gets. Uh, they, you know, they got an identity. They know exactly who they want to be. And they have have a, a stout offensive line. Um, they got you know uh, one of the best young running backs in the league last year in Algier, and then they drafted you know one of the best prospects uh, in in a long long time in Bijan Robinson. And uh, you know they they want to run the ball, and and if they run seventy plays, they would love for sixty three of them to be runs if they can be successful doing it, you know and. Uh, so that is not the NFL of today. That is not how most teams do it. That's not how the rules are set up. And, um, so they're bucking, you know, the, the norm in their approach, at least offensively. So I, I'm really curious, I mean, you know, how they're going to be able to do, I mean, both Bijan and Algier had, had good statistical days. Um, you know, they played the Panthers, you know, not a lot of pressure coming from the other side, probably, you know, if they were playing the chiefs, you know, we'll see if you three yards in a cloud of ducks works uh, against a team that could put up points. But um, they're a team that I'm pretty interested in, man. And I'm, I'm kind of curious because they're, they're really uh, – the Titans have kind of been like that in recent years, you know, just feeding the rock to Henry and just run, 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 run. Um, I, I think the Falcons are even a step up from that, man. I mean, they, they just want to run the ball. And I think they got, you know, the, the squad and, and the personnel to do it, at least on the offensive side. We'll see. The, the defense is a work in progress. But um, – they're, they're going to be a team that I'm as they they uh, have different you know levels of competition that they have to face. I'm kind of serious, curious how that style holds up. Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely not how the NFL is built today. But if, as you said, like you know, if they ran 70 plays and 63 were, were run, I think they'd be fine with that, and that's what they're geared around. And they've uh, optimized for it. Well, they got you know they already got a big game at least for me coming up this weekend. Yeah, no, and, and well, I, I think I texted to the, to the family group like, "Hey, NFC South's the best division in football," <laughs> and so I think they have the most wins. So, uh, you know, we I think we agree that that uh, that whole division is up for grabs. I most probably think the Saints are the favorite. You know, the the, the Panthers are in a rebuild, and uh, the, you know, as are the Bucks. I don't I don't know what exactly the Bucks are right now, but. Um, you know, and then you got the Falcons. I mean, that, that division could go to anybody, and so I'm kind of curious to see, you know, who the cream is that rises over time. Before we uh, call it an episode, what's uh, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Game or two that's jumping out for you, Chris? Uh, in the NFL, um, Packers are going to go play those Falcons, so we'll see. That's you know, obviously every week I'm going to be interested in what the Packers have to do. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly going to be looking, I don't know if there's a, a specific game, but, you know, as you kind of alluded to, right. So, 
uh, you know, you just you can't start piling up losses. The Bills are zero and one. The Chiefs are zero and one. The the Bengals are zero and one. Some, you know, these are pre- premier, uh, you know, Super Bowl contending teams that that we think, uh, based on you know last few years and personnel that they have coming into this year. And you know, they, they not, nobody has a win yet. So how how do you bounce back? You know, how does Josh Allen bounce back? You know, going home, um, are you gonna take that? poor performance to heart and, and not let it happen again? Are you going to show everyone, hey, this this is who I am, you know? Uh, that last game was was not me, you know, Joe Burrow, you know what I mean? Like, hey, that last game was not me. Um, you know, here's what the Bengals are about. And so you go kind of uh, down the list, and, and I, I just want to see uh, what the what, – what I believe to be the premier teams um, – you know, how they respond coming off a loss. There's an interesting one, the Chiefs at the Jaguars. Uh, I think, you know, we both agree the Jaguars are up and coming, but they're not quite there yet. Uh, the Chiefs are the pinnacle. And uh, they play each other. You know, Jags get the game at home. Um, Chiefs are coming off a loss. You know, you know they, they ain't trying to lose two in a row. And this is an opportunity for the Jaguars to show, like, hey, we've arrived. You know what I mean? We're, we are a contender. You know, we got a game at home against you know the the best team in football and um if you're there then you should win that game or at least uh at least compete to the end with them and uh so i'm I'm curious about you know who are the jaguars i think we know who the chiefs are they lost you know it's unfortunate they didn't have a couple key components and and a lot of guys played absolutely terrible uh from the wide receiver position and stuff I, i don't think anyone believes the chiefs have lost it by any means so uh, I think we know who the Chiefs are, but I'm curious who the Jaguars are. You know what I mean? Like, do you have enough defense to to hold them down? Um, do you have enough offense to score with them? You know what I mean? Like, what? Uh, you know, who are you guys, man? Are, are you, were you a flash in the pan last year, or are you building something? Yeah, I'm curious to see that one. I'm also curious, uh, I guess, just because it was so lopsided. Are the Cowboys as good as they showed in Week One, and are the Giants as bad as they showed? And then I'm also curious to see. Uh, what do the Jets do? Okay, now uh, whatever got them through game one, uh, you know, now now this is your reality. I mean, any emotional low or high from everything that went on in week one, it's gone, and this is what you got now. So how do you come out? Yeah, and, that, and that's a crazy game, man. I mean, I, I could see that game being like, two to four <laughs> the jets are playing at the cowboys and based so the cowboys have had this uh flashy defense good a good defense like fantasy wise they're, they're they've been a really good defense man they got uh, a good return man um they got Diggs picking off balls and returning them you know they got uh micah parsons and uh, uh demarcus lawrence and um uh you know they, they had guys who could who could make big plays you know, strip sacks, pick sixes, you know, those types of things. But they did not have a defense that could hold up for four quarters, you know, on a play-by-play basis, you know. So they, they had that, uh, um, you know, flashy, like, to go get you a score, but they're they're not going to be able to keep a team from, from marching down the field on them very effectively. They added some girth right up front and, and picked up some big, some big boys to fill the middle, and they still have – all that back end speed and, and playmaking, ball hawking ability, all, all that um, pass rush ability, and you know we'll see, man. The giant, the Giants' offensive line is garbage, and that game also was 
in in pretty shitty conditions. And so, uh, you know, we'll see. They'll get a chance to play. But the Jets, I think we know exactly what the Jets are. I mean, they're going to win with grit and defense and, uh, you know, hopefully have a good running game. But, they, you know, their offensive line problems aren't just all better. So, uh, you know, Jets have some offensive line issues, but at least they got playmakers that can kind of, you know, work around it. You know, uh, Brees Hall shows he can, he can get yardage even if the offensive line isn't bo- blocking great. Um, Dalvin Cook, I, I think, you know, he's a four-time pro bowler, still has a lot of gas in the tanks. But um, the Jets are built on defense. And I think – based on what I saw, so are the Cowboys. So, you know, that, that that's an interesting game to me, you know, that, that two teams that are, are clearly at this point built on defense. Um, I think Dak's, you know, a significant upgrade to Zach Wilson at the quarterback position. Um, but, you know, with that Jets defense, I, I don't know how much he's going to be able to do. So that, that is an interesting game as well. I, I want to see how it plays out and what the two – because these are two of the best defenses. You know, you can put the uh, – the Eagles and the 49ers in there, but Jets, Cowboys, Eagles, 49ers right now for me heading into the season and what I saw week one, those are the best defenses in the NFL currently in my mind. So, um, you know, time will tell. Some other guys will show themselves, but right now uh, two of them are going against each other. So that's pretty interesting. Now I, I, I look, offensive football is fun. It's enjoyable. It's flashy, and obviously it's dramatic and all that. I enjoy seeing – a really good, especially given how the rules are stacked against them. I enjoy seeing the really good defenses perform their craft at a high level when they can come in, even with, because I really believe the deck is stacked against them in, in, in a lot of ways. I mean, the, I really enjoy seeing a good defense come in and shut down one of these higher powered offenses. I, I just, I think it's just makes the game more exciting. I agree with you 100%, man. There were some uh, SEC games. I remember uh, LSU and Alabama played twice in a year, and I don't remember what the total points scored between these two games were, but I, I think one of them finished 9-6. to six, And uh, it was some of the best football I ever saw, you know, in the old Ravens-Steelers games. You know, when a punt matters and field position matters, you know, and, and a, a snap over a quarterback's head for a 12-yard loss – you know, is a determining factor in the game. Um, you know, that, that's cool football, man. I'm into it. I like it. I, I love, especially when two match up against each other. When neither, no, I don't want inept offenses that that are that you know just can't do anything. But when a defense overpowers the other team's offense, and that's happening on both sides of the ball at the same time, it is a cool football game where where field position really matters. When you know a field goal is worth like ten points in this game, you know, feels like right, and so. You know, just getting to the opposing team's 30 is, is a huge accomplishment. Um, I'm into that, man. I like that kind of football. Yeah, I do too. Well, Chris, uh, week one's in the books. We didn't get to college this time around. Uh, we'll we'll pick that up next week a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, buffs. I, I, they are unreal, dude. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll see. I mean, they, gotta, they, they should slaughter – uh, Colorado State this week. I mean, they're they're t- obviously they're the pow- there's the powerhouses. I mean, your Georgias and Ohio States and Alabamas and on and on, right? Texas had a gigantic win. Good for them. Yeah, they, Alabama I mean, had a little bit of power depletion, buddy. Maybe they didn't pay the bill or something. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Texas went in there and 
uh, put a whooping on them, dude. I mean, hung with them. I mean, I wouldn't say I, they, I watched that game. They didn't whoop them, but um, they won and uh, they went toe to toe with them and ended up winning by ten in the end. And uh, every time Al- Alabama came back at them, and it looked like, oh, here we go. This is what Alabama does. They just don't lose. They find a way to win. Texas is, you know, like not so fast, buddy. And they went and scored again. And then Alabama scored, and Texas like, all right, this is what you want to do. We'll score again too. And uh, that was a really good football game. So. Uh, college football still in the preseason. You know, we'll get – we don't really have a, a great marquee matchup of ranked opponents this week. But, um, yeah, the the Colorado Buffaloes, um, you know, you look at their schedule. I looked ahead, and it's like, all right, well, I mean, you guys should be able to ramble they, off some wins. After this week, I believe they have Oregon and then USC. Mm. Is I, that what it was? Uh, uh, those are spread out. I have to. I'd have to look again. I just remember. No, I think those are further down the road, dude. I could be wrong about that. Though. I could be wrong, but um, I just Two remember guys thinking, doing All right. sports podcast, and we don't know the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we need a producer, Rand. I need someone like feeding my computer screen with information. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm my own researcher. So, uh, but anyway, uh, I'm interested. So next time we get a chance to talk, man, I, I, I'd love to, uh, you know, kind of catch up on the college college situation. I will say this again because uh, I know we have some listeners that are Wazoo fans, Washington State, uh, including a former guest uh, who, uh, if we can find a way to have him back, Dan, uh, airplane Dan, uh, you took it to my Badgers. Congratulations. Yeah, they, they, they launched up into the top 25. That's a big win against a, a good football team, you know, so uh, good on Wazoo. I mean, I, I don't know if I said it. That's where I went to school is Wazoo. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I, I love to see it. They're one of those programs that's, uh, not perennial by any means. They kind of, you know, they, they come back about every four or five years and, and, and put a nice squad together and then they take three, four years off. And, and, and so hopefully this is a year that they're up near the top. Well, in between, I mean, in between them and Oregon state, I mean, the, yeah, you, you got know. a 50, 50 chance of winning the league. <laughs> uh, they did win their court battle, so we're, uh, at least the first part of it. When they've asked to say that, uh, the at least they put an injunction in place so that the other schools can't start making decisions about the future of the Pac-12 when they're all bailing at the end of the year. There was a court case on Monday about that, and because there was going to be a meeting Wednesday of this week around some of the future decisions, but. Uh, Hey, man, if you left, I, if you're leaving at the end of the year, I think you lose all rights to decide anything about the league. Yeah, I agreed. I mean, that, that uh, seems like a no-brainer to me. You know, so we'll see. Uh, I just, what I was going to say is, I mean, I, uh, I feel like I, the whole Pac-12 thing is a long and sad history. I actually blame a lot of it on their former commissioner, Larry Scott, who did a poor job of running the conference and uh, thought he was going to do some kind of Hail Mary with a TV deal that never materialized. I mean, all kinds of stories about him. A lot of the Pac-12 cities, he couldn't even watch the games. or just all kinds of problems. And now they're paying the price for that. And it's unfortunate that so many of these schools, uh, you know, have kind of look out for themselves or you know their best bud with usc and ucla and then washington and oregon and all the other stuff that's gone on it's i don't know how i feel entirely i mean part of change is inevitable with the money involved in college sports so um 
I imagine if this was happening to the Big Ten, I'd probably feel more intense about it. I still think it's not entirely cool. Uh, for me, growing up, the Big Ten and the Pac-10, as they were then, uh, you know, because they both played in the Rose Bowl, uh, those were kind of the two conferences I always followed. So to see one of them probably going to be gone after this year, I mean, yeah, there's change and then there's a disappearance. And uh, I guess you got to learn to live with both ultimately. Yeah, I mean, we could do a, a three-part a, a three series on just the history of the NCAA as it pertains to football alone, let alone, you know, the other sports and Title IX and, and just all the components, man. I mean, uh, it, college sports has had its he head up its butt for the, as long as I've been alive, and, and it's just uh, – it's too bad, man. I mean, it's a great product. It's It obviously generates a lot of money, and – you know, a handful of people in power, uh, just you, you just poor decision making and, and um, a sense of entitlement by the NCAA, and, and there's this ruling body that you know has, has no common sense. And I just on and on, man. I could go on forever about the frustrations I have about just being poorly run. It's like you have this incredible product and um, this incredible platform, and you guys just are terrible at running it. You know, and maybe we'll have to look at the schedule or talk more about this, but I'll just say this. Never in all of my sports world watching have I seen, and it's not just the big-name sport of uh, football and basketball and stuff like that, but if you really get into across all the different sports that the NCAA has, there are, I mean, amazing talented athletes and an amazing product volleyball here in madison teams outstanding college hockey the, again the wisconsin's women hockey team amazing uh, up and down you swimming uh, gymnastics all these different sports they put on amazing sports but never has such an amazing product been mismanaged or run more ineptly or like a thiefdom with all the power going to the top. And I don't mean the schools. I mean the NCAA and the money uh, in my career of watching sports. They could be doing so much better. And with the right governing body, um, a lot more things could have been put in place. The whole circus we're seeing now with nil. If they went to just buried their head in the sand for years and said, oh, it's, they're student athletes, they can't make any money. That's, that's just the most ridiculous thing. If I'm a student and I write a book, I get paid. If I sing, I get paid. If I act, I get paid. If you're getting, I mean, these schools are paying. Sometimes you read about it, right? Oh, whatever. Big name school X paid, you know, uh, school Y $1.1 million to come in and take a beating. Well, Nobody, none of the students got any of that money, and they're the ones that, you know, like, but that was all correctable if you would have just not been fools. And that's, that's what it is fools. Yeah, 100%, man. And, and just zero common sense and kind of zero give a shit, dude. That's the part that's really infuriating. It's like, well, I'm in charge, I make the rules, and uh, that's it. 
And, uh, you know, it's too bad, man. I mean, I, you know, I, I know we're, we're probably running a little long, but I just, I'll never forget, I forget his name, the Colorado Buffalo that was a wide receiver, and, but also was a downhill skier and went to the Olympics and lost his college eligibility. You remember his name? I, I, I can't remember his name, but I remember the story. And like, that's, that's the, the kind st- of stuff that's like, dude, what are you guys doing? You know, oh, uh, well, actually, and I mean, uh, here again, I, uh, there was, a, uh, you can find it, there was uh, somebody, I think she played tennis for the uh, North Carolina, and she ended up playing in the U.S. Open, and I think she made like $81,000. She had to give it away, or she would have lost her college eligibility. Yeah, that's Now, that's I'm sorry, I'm but about. in a sport like tennis, where it is an individual sport, and there should be a way for those people to take part in some of these um, uh, Grand Slam level tournaments. I don't know how you find this out. Like, does it mean a college player can be on the whole tour? Probably not. You got to work something out. But there's got to be some better level of common sense, especially when, again, the people running this, it's just like the people that run all these bowls. I mean, they make high six-figure salaries to put on a football game, and what do the players tend to get? Oh, a bag of goodies from Best yeah. Buy. Here's four hundred dollars. <laughs> Here's an iPad. Thanks, thanks for your contribution. You know, uh, oh, <laughs> oh, you tore up your knee, Willis McGahee, and lost a year in the NFL, and your career was never the same. So sad. I hope you had insurance. Yeah, Fiona mm. Crawley. That was the that was the girl from uh, North Carolina. Uh, forfeits $81,000 and that's the kind of stuff. So you know, if you have a government, this is why you have commissioners and, and have governing bodies for the people to uh, use, you know, some level of common sense. And I mean, this is why you have captains on teams and, and you know, sergeants in, in the military. And hey, man, we have a general set of rules, but every once in a while, something's going to fall into a gray area and we need someone in charge who can make a decision because we don't exactly have a specific rule for this. And uh, if you if you are putting other people's interests first and you're making a decision now, not everyone is going to like your decision all the time. I mean, you and I, every, every human being deals with this on a regular basis in my work. You know, I, I, we have a set of specifications. This is how we're supposed to put a roof on. But this roof's a little bit different. You know, we didn't take this thing into consideration. So given the new information that I just that just came to light, uh, we're going to make this ruling. And everyone just accepts my ruling and says, hey, that's fair. That's reasonable. We understand why you made it. And when, you know, Fiona Crowley goes and makes $81,000 and says, like, hey, well, you know, we didn't see one of our, you know, collegiate athletes doing this well uh, when someone goes to the Olympics and, and uh, you know, gets a swag bag and gets some meals paid for and stuff as a, representing the United States of America. Yeah, we, you know, we, this is a special case for, in your Not situation. Not even in the sport he played. Yeah, we're, we're going to let you go ahead and keep your eligibility. You know, this isn't something that comes up all the time. And anyone would say, okay, that's, that's a very reasonable, common sense kind of solution. You know, maybe he doesn't exactly fall in line with the rules. Um, but you know, it makes sense why you made this choice, but when someone consistently makes choices that are clearly only in the best interest of one or few and harms thousands, it's just hard to get on board, man. Uh, I I know we're running long, but I'll just say this. Obviously this one really cranks me off some of this because it'd be one thing 
you, you play this game of claiming it's the student athlete and academics are so important. Uh, how, how many classes do you think any of those basketball players are going to during March Madness and all that? I mean, you want them there or when they're playing college games on Thursday night and Friday night and all this. Look, I don't have a problem with that. I don't even have a problem if the kids don't go to class. If they're in college and they're there at the premier schools to like try and become pro, then put a program in place if you're going to have colleges host this stuff to give them the life skills that they need if they don't work out in the pros. But don't play this game. I mean, I'm not saying these players are ignorant in any sense of the imagination, but, you know, the the they just are not straight up and honest about what's going on, and they're happy with all the riches and the TV contracts and... The players, okay, fine, now we got a little bit of nil, and oh, some people are freaking out because, hey, some college player got a, you know, whatever. I mean, you've heard about them. Some some oh, yeah. college players getting a couple million dollars in nil. Yeah, well, uh, last time I looked, I think Nick Saban was getting paid about $10 million. Yep. So don't cry to me that, it, the you know, just it's not fair to the people doing the product. That's the number one thing for me in any sport, man. It is the people on the field playing the game, uh, putting their hard effort, training, and risking injury, uh, especially in sports like football, on everything they do. And if you are a steward or a leader or a commissioner of that, you should be acting in the 100% and more best interest of those people on everything you do. And it is clear to me that the NCAA leadership on multiple occasions has not done that. No, you're 100% right. Hmm. All right. Uh, <laughs> Just a, a, a sweet little get off my lawn to finish this episode. <laughs> I mean, look, I love sports, man, and uh, but I, I, I love too. stories, and I also anybody who knows me knows me that I I'm a big fighter for equality, and if I see an injustice, I I like to see it corrected. Yep. Um, as always, Chris, our conversations, I love them. You get the the best out of me. Uh, and uh, just one last shout out again to both Donovan and Molly. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, part of my passion and energy, you both knew it. You made me better because of uh, your supporting it. And uh, again, just a rest in peace to both of those two kind souls.